0: All right, Turning your Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, to the book of Philippians. Now, those of you who get excited every time I say this, go ahead and get excited. The way this, this, uh, the, the events broke tonight in scripture, this, this isn't going to be a real long lesson, okay? Thank you, Bill. I'm glad somebody, nobody else, Bill Bill's the only one who's paying attention. Thank you. Thank you. Philippians chapter one. Two weeks ago when we started the study in the book of Philippians, we quickly learned that Paul and Timothy were the writers and Paul was the primary writer. We learned that this letter was written with Paul uh, while Paul was in the Roman prison and that he may have been writing this letter because he didn't fully know what the outcome of the trial before Caesar would be. It's thought that Paul wanted to, to make his love known to the people of Philippi as well as give them encouragement and somewhat of a warning of those they needed to continue to be aware of. We learned that we learned of, of who this letter was written to, and came to understand that it was recorded in our Bible, and it was also written to us. That's exactly right. We then heard the writers give the readers something that uh, we as believers ought to be giving the world every single day: grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We learn that that we are to give as to how we have been given. Now tonight we're gonna see a prayer of thanksgiving, but before we do that, something I meant to do last or two weeks ago and I didn't do, look at verse one, because a few weeks or or a couple months ago, I, I really spent a lot of time on this I think it was when we were in 1 John or 3 John. I'll have to go back and look. But in the very opening statement, we see these words again. It says in verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy. What's the next word? Slaves. Slaves Slaves of Christ Jesus. Are you there yet? Are you there in your life? I can't. I can't say I am. I wish I could. I wish that I could say I am a slave of Christ Jesus. Are you there yet? That's where we need to be striving. That's what we should desire. What should we should want to be? Anybody there yet? Do you desire to be that, the slave of Christ Jesus? Amen. Let's pick up where we, we left off. We're going to start reading in verse 3, and we're going to read to verse 11. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Paul writes, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy and for, all in my, for, for you all in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who, who has started a good work in you will carry it to, to a completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in, in my imprisonment and in my defense and the establishment of the gospel. For God is my, my, my witness how I deeply miss all of you with, with affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you, are, you can determine what really matters and, and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to glory and praise To the glory and praise of God, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your words. Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word, God, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts this this evening as we just open your word and and try to, to learn a little more about this book of Philippians. See how it applies to our life. See how we can apply it to our walk, Lord, to be a greater service to you. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. <clears throat> Tonight we find ourselves at the beginning of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. As we have, all, all of us at some point in time, I don't know about you younger people, but most of us older people at some point in time have handwritten a letter to, other, to others in times past. How many of y'all have handwritten a letter to somebody? Raise your hand. Okay. Years ago, I had to handwrite a letter to my parents when I was in school. Dear mom and dad, I will not bring someone else's homework. Do y'all, do y'all remember when we used to have to do that? Write over. What, what, what was you used to have to write over and over and over again? Huh? Yeah, and listen, I, I, became, I became proficient in holding two, pe- two pencils at one time. Because you had to write, remember you had to write it a hundred times, that old mean teacher a hundred times? But the art of handwriting is gone. When the copy machine came about, I mean, it's just write a letter, copy it. I mean, we, hand, handwriting, it's special when you write a letter. It, the, with me, I, it seems like when I, I used to have to write handwritten letters, sometimes the hardest part for me to write was, anybody want to guess? The first paragraph, the very, I'm sorry, no, Vicky. did you say, did you say you were sorry? Are you finally apologizing? No, it's the first paragraph. I mean, you have everything that you want to say to say, but that first paragraph, putting the first few words on paper, for me, was always the hardest. And a lot of times, I'd, I'd write it, and then I'd do what y'all had, I'd crumple it up, and throw it in the trash. Or my mother or my grandmother would see my handwriting and say, baby, you can't send that. Don't, no, no, you you can't, nobody can read that. So I'd have to, you know, write, do it again. But the words that we spoke, we heard Paul writing to to those he was writing to, it doesn't seem like he he had a hard time, does it? He had all the words on his mind, all the words on his heart, and he, he didn't seem to have a problem Tonight, with those opening words, because he deeply loves these people. So, what do we see in our scripture tonight? We hear words that we all desire to hear. Did y'all hear me? We're hearing words that we all desire to hear. Now, I don't know when my my ministry life is going to be over. Uh. I, I've watched several pastors. Uh, my one of my, the last pastor I had uh, before I came into full time pastorate, he's getting ready to retire, and I, I don't think he has any health issues. But it's it's just he thinks it's time. He was also a professor where I went to school, and he's he's resigned there as well. He's just he's stepping down. Uh, I I don't you know I watched Amy's granddaddy, and. He retired from our church after 23 years 23 years and he didn't sit long before another church called him to be an interim and then another church called him to be an interim and then another church called him to be an interim we all have a desire as we come to the end of of ministry in, in my mind To hear the words that Paul is speaking tonight, we do. Now, I just want to stop here for a second and ask a question. Let's say that God came to you tonight and said, you've got about five months to where you're not going to be able to do ministry. You're not going to be able to serve the Lord. I think we would change some things in our ministry lives pretty quick, wouldn't we? We'd want to to do all we could do before we couldn't do anything else. But let's say today was the last day. And you went to your mailbox this coming week, and people that you administered with and ministered to had written you a handwritten letter? What would it sound like? What what would it be like? What would those people write about what they've seen you do? Because really that's what we're seeing in this opening paragraph with Paul. He's writing them because of what he has experienced with them. Each and every one of us desires to live a life in such a way that those we have served side by side with would have similar words for for how they thought of us. I do truly believe that human desire is to be loved, to be accepted, to be commended for the love of God that is supposed to be living in and through us. Now, Now please know, just because you want this... Just because you desired to be loved like this does not mean that you will be. Right? It doesn't doesn't mean you will be. Church, our actions towards others will determine how others would write to us. We've got to remember that. What they would write to us. In this case, Paul was very sincere with his words and his love because these people had constantly shown him this kind of love. Is there anybody, as we read through these, these verses, verses 3 through 11, is there anybody that, that felt uh, uh, just a, a note of insincerity? That he's just like, you know, okay, he, he's writing this because he wants something. Or, or you know, is there anybody who thinks that? No, I mean, I, there's no doubt that several times that I've read through this, Paul wrote these words because it was what he felt. Have Y'all ever gotten a heartfelt, I mean, a, 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 just a heartfelt letter from somebody? I used to get them all the time. I used to get them all the time. Now, I, I want us to, to take a moment right now to really think, about who it was writing this letter. Okay? Who is it that's writing this letter? The primary person was Paul. Well, we all know that it was the Apostle Paul, right? So no big deal. (coughs) Who is the most famous person you've ever received a letter from? Now, I've told, I can't remember what, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I, the most famous person that I've ever received a letter from was Phil Ford. Y'all know who Phil Ford How many of y'all know who Phil Ford was? He is. Nobody? Bill, you know who Phil Ford was, don't you? Why don't you raise your hand, man? I can't explain, man. I know who it is. Phil Ford, back in the, the late 70s, was one of the greatest point guards from North Carolina. And my Uncle Jay used to have parties for the North Carolina Tar Heels after they played the North-South double hitter. Well, when I was a kid, I rode around on Phil Ford's shoulders at this party. Now, in my mind, we were best friends from that point on. I mean, we were tight. Had pictures of him, took him to you know, school, showed him to my friends, and... So I wrote Phil Ford a letter, and a few weeks later, I didn't think anything about it. You know, I, Gary, I got a letter from Phil Ford. It had—I still have that letter, y'all. I do, and it—it it was a small envelope, and in the top left-hand corner, it said from the uh, University of North Carolina Athletics Department. And I'm—I'm I'm thinking, well, Dean Smith is—you know—he's recruiting me early, but okay, you know. So I open the letter and I I read this short letter from Phil Ford. Now remember, I I hand wrote this letter at like seven, eight years old. And this was the response in what I can recall from Phil Ford. It was really good getting to hear that you're doing well. Your handwriting is truly unique. (laughs) I hope to hear from you again sometime soon. Yours sincerely, Phil Ford. No tickets, no cards, nothing. And that's it. I never, I, I've never heard from Phil Ford again. Never heard from him again. I, I, I received a, a, another letter sometime uh, from, he was at, at this point uh, the, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I can't remember his name. I can't remember who it was. But I had sent him a letter of an idea And he addressed it, and he sent me a letter back, and I thought, hey, wow, you know, hey. Another letter, and it's not, it's more infamous than it is famous. I sent a letter to the Connie Maxwell Children's Home in South Carolina because I didn't, I just didn't feel like they were doing things the way they ought to be doing them. And I got a handwritten letter, Gary, from the president of the Connie Maxwell Children's Home. And this is what I addressed with him. I said, it came to my attention that you have enough funds to sustain yourself for five years, and yet you are still soliciting churches to send you money over and over. When are you going to start giving back to the cooperative program instead of taking from the cooperative program? And the president of the the Connie Maxwell Children's Home sent me a nice letter. And this is what he stated. He says, I'll have you know, we do not have five years uh, uh, supplied to to sustain ourselves. We have four and three quarters. Letters get your point across, right? Letters can be a lot of things. They can be good. They can be inspirational. And they can be... Not so good. I remember as a child sending off for something. I can't remember what it was. It was in some comic book. Back in the day, Caleb, we had comic books. And on the back of the comic books, the last three or four pages, it was nothing but ads. And it was nothing but junk. Steve, you remember that? But in our minds, it was the greatest thing in all the world. I want to know, did anybody ever order those sea monkeys off the back? Gary, you did. Did, they did, were they really good, did, was it good? How many of y'all know what we're talking about? I mean, at the back of those comic books, I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, look at this. I mean, Kung Fu Grit, and I mean, look look at all this stuff, and, and, and yeah, oh yeah, I mean, the, the milkshake stuff, yeah, I mean... All, you'd send offer stuff or you'd send a letter and you could not wait to get correspondence back. Any of y'all ever have a, a pen pal? You have, it, pen pals, raise your hand. See, my, my mom would never let me sign up to be a pen pal. She said, you won't do it. What, but it, it's important. People hang on every word. Now, What I want to get across is this. What we're seeing tonight, have y'all seen it? Do you get it? The most famous Christian in the world at that time was writing a personal handwritten letter to the church at Philippi. That's what this is. Do you think they saved it? Do you all think if we got on a plane to Greece and we, we found the, the church at Philippi, that there'd be a glass case and there'd be you know this letter right here? I, I don't know, but I mean, I'd hang on to that, wouldn't you? If I was the pastor who was allowed to read that after I read it, and the last words that, that he wrote were, were uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Be with your spirit. I'd be doing this right here, Brother Frank. I mean, I'd want to take it with me. Why? Because it had the most important, the the most affluent, the the most famous Christian in that day. It not only had words that he personally wrote. I mean, he signed it. He signed it. Is there anybody who would want to have a copy, of the original copy of this? Anybody? Anybody? Do I take bids at $100, $200? Of course. Paul is writing. Everybody would want this letter. We see in verse 4 that not only is Paul writing them a personal letter, he is, he, listen, he's praying for them with great joy whenever he prays. Can you imagine the man who had personal encounters with Jesus on multiple occasions praying for you? Can you imagine? Now, I'm hesitant to tell you all this. But I'm going to anyway. So Amy growing up, well, I'll I'll throw myself under the bus first. We've talked about this in times past. I loved Bob Marley growing up. I loved the Wailers. I I just, I loved the music. I I, I did. I I just, sorry, not sorry, I guess. I mean, but Amy loved Snoop Dogg. Anybody surprised about that? Yes. <laughs> so this year we're we're in the airport minding our own business. We want something I mean we're nothing's open except for this bar and grill. So we go in and we sit down and we notice there's there's two couples that are engaged in conversation. And they're talking about a show and this and that and the other. And, and, and out of nowhere, this guy comes up and says, can I have my picture taken with you? And then I, she's like, mm, yeah, well, okay, who is this person? Who is this person? It was, yeah, a, a singer named Corrupt. He's part of the Snoop Dogg pound. So y'all know we had to have a picture, right? In the airport. And I'm surprised, I'm really surprised that Amy didn't say, could you tell Snoop Dogg that we just love him? What What are you talking about here? We're talking about the most famous Christian in the world at that point in time and he is praying for these people right this guy paul has had multiple encounters personal encounters with jesus y'all remember the road to damascus thing i mean it's kind of a big deal in life of paul y'all remember that Y'all remember as Paul's making his way uh, after his third missionary journey, the Lord appears to him again and says, listen, don't worry about anything. You're going to make it. I'm going to keep you safe. This man had personal encounters. Listen, they are receiving a letter, Donna, and the man is saying, I'm going to be praying for you. A man has had personal encounters with Jesus the Christ. That's kind of special, isn't it? I mean, we just flippantly re- read through it. Oh, well, Paul the Apostle, the loved Lord Jesus Christ. Not, I mean, no. Steve, he, he talked with Jesus. I've been a Christian for almost uh, for 30 years. I've talked to Jesus, but I, listen, if I told you Jesus talked to me, y'all kick me out of this place. Has the Holy Spirit talked to my heart? Yes, but we're not talking about that. He had personal encounters with Jesus, and he's praying for these people. I want this letter sent here, y'all. I really do. Now, we all know that there are no levels a person receives as they walk with the Lord. We all have the ability to reach the throne room of heaven with our prayers. But for Paul to say he always prays for these people, how special must that have made them feel? I can imagine. Well, I, I hope they felt special. Now, why would Paul not feel this way towards all of the people he was allowed to minister to throughout the three missionary journeys. Well, the short answer to that is they weren't all easy to get along with. They weren't. They really weren't. But here's the long here's here's another answer. Look at verse 5 in our scripture tonight. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. They had supported Paul from the very first time he was there and ministered to them to the very day that he was writing this letter. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now, the people did more than talk of their love of Paul. Anybody ever told you, oh, I love you, oh, I love you, you're you're so wonderful? I have a family member, I'm not going to say who it is. Y'all hear me? They love all their children. They do. Love them all. But one of their children came up to me some time back and said, Mama loves us all. But when the other two aren't looking, she gives me all the money. which makes this person believe they're what? They're special, they're loved the most. Now, I don't know that she doesn't do that to all of them, but he thinks that he's the only one who gets that that preferential treatment. These people did more than talk of their love of Paul. Y'all hear me? It's one thing to tell somebody, I love you. I love you. And everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to hear those words, "I love you." But at point, at some point, you're going to have to what? You're going to have to show that love. Now I promise you, Kayla Branham, for the next week, if you come home and you look at Bailey and you say, "I love you, baby," I love you, and y'all eat dinner and you don't hold her hand when you say in the blessing, you just, "I love you," and, and she goes to work the next morning and you say. Bye, baby, I love you. And, and you, you go to bed at night and, and you reach over and you pat her on the head and just do like this and say, Good night, baby, I love you. If you do that for about three or four weeks, you're gonna be in the dog house. you gonna be in the dog pound. Why? You can tell people you love them, show, you gotta show it, right? You gotta reach over and give her a kiss and, and bend up, wash the dishes. Right? Put the commode lid down. You've got to show the love. You do. And these people had shown Paul the love. They had showed him just how much that the that they loved that he loved him through their support of his ministry. They took an active interest in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ by supporting the man who was faithful to the Lord. They they believed in him and invested in his works. For the Lord. Now, as we study through the life of Paul, there's only been two or three communities who did this. Is that not interesting to you? Now, it'd be one thing if he was an up-and-coming missionary and nobody really knew him. First, let's say the first missionary journey, uh, I can get it. But after the reports of thousands and thousands and thousands of Gentiles accepting Christ under his ministry, you'd think more people would want to get on board, don't you? Now are you starting to understand why he loves the people of Philippi? Because they supported him. Paul then tells the people something he is sure of in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, I am sure of this that he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. John Phillips says this about what Paul wrote to the believers. Paul had no, no, no trouble persuading himself that God had begun a good work in the Philippians. It's all right. That sounds like a good preacher right there. (laughs) It's on live? Okay. Let me go back. John Phillips says this about Paul, what Paul wrote to the believers. Paul had no trouble persuading himself that God had begun a good work in the Philippians. The apostle could see plenty of proof That they were soundly saved. Their outward good, listen, their outward good works were evidence of the inward good work begun in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Their good works had not resulted in salvation, but their good works had resulted from their salvation. That sounds like the book of what, doesn't it? Sounds like the book of James. They're collaborating. The world becomes aware of, the, of this new life when love breaks through. The love of God, love of God's people, love for the lost people, love overflowing as a result to life in feeling. That's what, that's what John Philip says. Now, church, Paul continues to explain his feelings for the people of Philippi in verse 7 when he says this, It is right for me to think this way about you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and establishment of the gospel. Now, how can we know this is true? I can tell, listen, I love you. You're you're in my heart. How many of us told our children that? You're forever in my heart. I was like, mom, you, you're getting ready to beat me with that broom handle. Am I still in your heart? Any of y'all ever get hit in the head with a broom handle right in the middle of your head right here? <laughs> David, you got hit with a broom handle? Man, that right there, that'll, that'll, mm, It will. I never called her that again. No, you you've done or- no sir. I thought I was a safe distance away from her. But I, I wasn't. How, how do we know? How do we know? I mean, people can tell you all. Listen, I love you. I love, you know, how can we know that these words were sincere? Well, look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this For God is my witness. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, you know. He's throwing Jesus in there. For God is my witness, how I deeply miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. When you have someone in your heart, you miss them. You pray for them. And you want them to always continue to grow in their spiritual walk with the Lord. That's pretty convincing, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm getting to believe that he loves them. These aren't just superficial words. I really believe he loves them. We see in verse 10 and 11, Paul gives reasons as to why he loves them. Prays for them. And wants what is best for them. Look at verse 10. He says this. He says, So that you can determine what really matters and can be pure in blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul does all these things we see tonight because of number one. He wants the people to see what really matters. I get that. I, I, as a pastor, I, I understand this. We have, in the past three years, we have been so under attack about what's right and what's wrong and what we should do and what we shouldn't do and this, that, and the other. And so many times I've talked to pastors and and, and some pastors have made this comment, it's hard for me to gather and to relay to the people in a way that they understand what really matters. I've been guilty of it myself. thinking this really matters, or this really matters, or this really matters. The only thing that matters when we walk through those doors is what we have in our hands and what we do in the mission field. Really. Everything else is just life taking place around us. Do y'all think, well, you know, Paul had it easy. You know, he didn't have all these world problems. He didn't have you know, social media, and he didn't have a cell phone strapped to his side. So it was easier for him. No, but I mean, he had to deal with everything that was going on in in the world at that time, just like we do. We just have to recall and remember daily what matters. And we put a lot of value on stuff that don't really matter. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Listen, we're, we're getting ready to get all worked up again because in three months, guess what it's going to be? Huh? No. It, it, it's September, October, November, Christmas. Christmas. Who said that? <coughs> Christmas. Oh, I gotta put up the tree. I gotta do this. I gotta do, I gotta make it to the parade. Hey, listen, I've gotta buy a Christmas presents for everybody, and I don't know how it is at your house, but it never digresses at our house. It always increases at our house. It's never, hey, let's let's you know scale back a little bit. No, no, no. Let's push the envelope, baby. Let's push the pedal. Let's go a little higher. Right. Huh? Nothing. I'll get a tie. Jeff, tell me something. Where's Jennifer? She took the kids home. Okay. Tell me what Jennifer got you for Christmas two years ago. For two years ago. You still have it? Okay. What did your mom give you three years ago? Okay. Okay. What, what do you what, what do you say, Caleb? <laughs> 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 hey, how long have you been, you and Bailey been dating? How long have y'all been together? Dating like seven or eight. Years. Seven or eight years. Y'all hear that? Seven or eight years. Tell me what she got you for Christmas two years ago. <laughs> huh? No, come on. No, tell me what you got. She got you two years ago. What, what's, 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 the, what's the big deal? We put such a big deal on it. We do. We put, and I mean, this is just one example of the things that we think matter so much. Where we've got to find the greatest gift in all the world. Hey, give me a gifts card to Bojangles. I'm good. Load the boat. Well, hold on. We can't get Brother Kyle a, a gift card to Bojangles because that's what everybody's going to get him. Well, okay. Yay. Yay. We, we make things so complicated about things that don't matter, and this, this is what matters. We're going to overload our, our mental capacity. And listen, two weeks before Christmas, she's going to say, I don't know why I do this. Every single year, I wait till the very last. There have been times when we have been shopping on Christmas Eve. And this is, this, listen, I, we just need to get these three one more thing. To even the piles. Because one can't get more than the other. Listen, I want to confess in front of this congregation and the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. I don't care. This is my philosophy. Listen to me. I can't tell you what just about anybody gave me for Christmas last year, the year before, or the year before. I can't, I can't tell you. I, I don't know, and it. it's not that I don't love you. But listen, the person that I, you know, well, I can't say that. I'll back up. Hold on. <clears throat> I can tell you what my mother-in-law has given me for the past 20 years for Christmas. It's an envelope with two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars, Merry Christmas, Hallelujah! Pass the offering plate. We put so much emphasis in this world about on things that don't matter. Now I, I could go into a, another rant about weddings and really get myself in trouble. All the time, energy, effort, money. I don't know how much we spent on Emily's wedding. I'm I'm really, I'm not trying to calculate how much we're going to spend on Alex's wedding in March. I'm really not. Gary, I ain't even going to look at you, son. I know. Golly, I I was at that wedding. I was at your wedding. You just said yes, ma'am, and passed the checkbook, didn't you? But listen listen to me. Listen to me. Amy and I got married, and Mr. Crawford, he and I had this conversation. We love this. When Amy and I got married, we got married at the church. We walked through the doors to the social hall, and there was this dude dressed up in a blue tuxedo playing uh, a little, uh, what was that thing called? A keyboard, and it was horrible. It was horrible. We had mints and little sandwiches and cookies, and we had that old-timey punch. We did, we did. And we had carrots and, and, and some sort of dip. We did. We did. We didn't have a rehearsal dinner. We didn't have a bachelor party. She didn't. Amy didn't have a girls' night out. She didn't have two or three dresses. I mean, no, no. And get this, get this. Y'all are going to have fun. This is crazy. This is nuts. Jeff, you ready for this? I am just as married as they are. We, we've we've focused on stuff that doesn't matter way too much. I could go on. You want me to go on? No, I'm not going to go on because I'm going to get myself in trouble. But the second thing he, we need to see through the scripture tonight is this He wants the people to be of pure and blameless. They're pure and blameless. Well, what does that mean? He wants them to have pure hearts and at the end of their life be blameless. To be able to make the comment that he made I've run the race. I've finished the race. He loves them that much. Thirdly, he wants the people to be full of the fruit of righteousness. All of those desires are the desires every pastor has for a congregation. It's very easy to see tonight that Paul truly does love the people of Philippi. I I have a question for you. Do you have a friend like what we see being described tonight? Do you have this kind of friend? Are you this kind of friend to others? What kind of letter do you think Paul would write to you? Let's all stand. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you. God, thank you for your word and this word tonight. We pray that you would move in our hearts during this time of invitation, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you need to come and spend some time at the altar with the Lord, it's open for you. Will you come?